Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by Betsperts. Winking at the audio, the video people. I love it. Welcome to the deep dive. Fired up for this one, Andy, because I do not know where you stand on this team and their prospects for repeating what was a moderately, quietly successful 2021 campaign. And of course, I am talking about the team that has the third highest odds to win the AFC East, the New England Patriots. Um, Crazy to frame it this way, I guess, but the market is saying what it's saying. Uh, it right now has the Patriots rated as a league average team. Market power yep. rating them as um, you know about you know, half a point better than average. Sixteenth best team in the in the NFL, um, and they're coming off of a playoff campaign led by a rookie quarterback, which is really rare. Um, but we have been trained at this point in our lives to believe anything is possible with Bill Belichick as your head coach. Um, but the 2022 campaign kind of revolves around what, like exactly how much of his, you know, how much heat does he have left on his fastball? Because he's now going to have to go it alone. Pretty much. No, Josh McDaniels is gone. The, you know, the, the, help he was getting from uh you know his assistants and whatnot i mean you look around that coach's room now you got steve belichick doing the weird tongue thing you got matt patricia in there with his pencil uh you got there's a bunch of other castoffs that have made their way onto that roster of coaching it's it's um, a weird deal and i'll, I'll get to that in a second because i, I want to recap 2021 first but yeah i have i have thoughts on what's going on Oh, and I should do. You know what I forgot to do? I forgot to What's tell that? you that these deep dive previews are brought to you by the Circa Sports Contests this year in Las Vegas. We're going to, again, we're working on it. We should talk about this after the show. We're going to try to make our way out there. But yeah, all these previews brought to you by the biggest pro football overlays in Vegas, 12 million in guaranteed prizes only at circus sports, the million circus sports millionaire with the quarterly payouts and the hundred percent payback, which if you know what that means, they aren't taking the rake. It's like when you play DFS and you play the head to head for 10 bucks each and the winner gets 18, none of that at circus sports full payout and the survivor obviously uh, you know how that works. Pick a team each week, make it to the end. They make it hard. You got to pick a Thanksgiving team. Team. That's why I just stayed out of that one. I'm horrible at Survivor, but I will play this year. And I will say, I probably wouldn't have picked the Patriots many times last year. And my main thought on their 2021 season, as I'm reading other people's previews, looking through things, going over, pouring over the schedule, looking at the results, was a conversation we had last Friday with our friend Cleve TA, where we said we need more context to Pythag because the Patriots Pythag said they should have been a 12 win team. 
but I don't know about that. Because, <laughs> well, and that's where Pythag is based heavily on like how many points you score versus how many points you give up. But seven of their 10 games here, I'm going to isolate seven of their seven of their 17 games against the Jags, the Jets, the Jets, the Panthers, the Browns, the Falcons, and then a Titans team that was without Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, and their starting guard, among other injuries, where they had like five turnovers. They were two, they outscored their opponents 259 to 55 in those seven games. Wow. I tend to not give the benefit of the doubt to Pythag when a team just absolutely shit stomps bad teams like this. And good teams should do this. Good teams blowing out bad teams is an important part of becoming that good team. Like you don't want to end up the, the, the good team that loses to the Jets late in the season because you didn't take them seriously. You want to come out there, stomp their throats in the first half and coast to the end of the game and get yourself to the, you know, get yourself to the next game where you might have a, a decent opponent that you need to take care of business with. But the Patriots were a bit weird in that sense. I think, you know, just like winning all those games against and just bad teams by margin kind of maybe tilted things, skewed things a little because they did keep a lot of other games close and they had a great game plan for that. Do you remember where McCorkle only threw five passes? Like, I do, yeah. That's was that, that was, was it even five or was it three? I think it was five. I'm gonna have to fact check that, but that was a 14 10 win against essentially the best probably the best team in the league last year. And they, they went to Buffalo and beat that team by by coming up with that. I mean, it was a brilliant game plan. It worked out, but a lot of a lot of their losses, they were close games. They lost by the Bucks to, by two. They should have beat Tommy Week here. Four. Absolutely, yep. they should have won Week One. The Week One loss to the to the Finns was as fluky <laughs> they as they come. Lost both Miami games. Yes, that was yeah, fl- I mean, that Week One was again, fluky though. Like they should have been three and one out of the gate. They could have beaten the Cowboys Week Six. That was an overtime win for the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they, they yeah. absolutely. I'm not saying they shouldn't or they couldn't have won 12 games. I'm just not so sure they should have, like just okay. based on that. You know, that's the Miami thing is weird. They seem to always struggle with Miami, but they had a bunch of soft games on their schedule. And this year, looking at the schedule, just getting way ahead of ourselves outside of the Jets. I mean, it's like the Bears and the Lions, really. So I mean, there, there's a couple of a middle middle of the pack. There's a bunch of coin flip games, but you're not going to have a stretch of like six games where five of them are absolute, you know, pushovers if it comes down to it. So I'm not saying like 2021 was an aber, you know, an aberration that it just oh, a lot of magic and luck because you did have a very experienced coaching staff making that happen. But for the most part, I'm not super high on just coming out and repeating that same kind of thing with, you know, essentially not relying on your young quarterback to take a step forward. You're going to have to do something with that. And then, I mean, any, I want to get to the coaching staff. I mean, do you have anything else to say on last year? Yeah, I guess it was a weird, I I thought your, yeah, your recap, your encapsulation was correct. Um, It was a weird year for the Patriots. They played a very easy schedule in hindsight. They played a lot of rookie quarterbacks, including Davis Mills, Zach Wilson twice, uh, Trevor Lawrence, and they beat the ever-loving shit out of those teams when they played them. Um, The teams that they were truly better than, they did not fiddle fuck around. They absolutely jackhammered them, and that was 
uh, that was sort of the signature positives on their schedule. Um, the going into last year, obviously Tom Brady comes off of his seventh Super Bowl win. He did it without Bill. Bill then spends a bunch of money in the offseason, stocking up like kind of middle, like mid-level free agents, but volume uh, on both sides of the ball. Um, they are in camp messing around with Cam Newton as their prospective starter. You remember this? Cam Newton was, when we did our preview last year, I bet you Cam Newton was the expected starter. And we were probably ice cold on the Patriots because it's like Cam Newton's arm has not been a thing since 2017. Why in the no, world? He, he was fighting that yeah, shoulder there? was sticked and he had a lower body injury at some point too. Like yeah, he was yeah. fighting just long, father time long and past, long past his peak. And they were still kind of messing with starting him uh, deep into the season. In fact, it took the week where Cam Newton would not get vaccinated, got COVID. Missed a preseason game. Mac Jones got the week of first team reps, did great against the weird. Eagles, and then did well in the preseason game and then secured the starting job because of that. And like literally, like that whole arc. I'm I, I mean, you know, because this is weird. Like Belichick is a weird figure because and that's where we had our stupid Mac Jones rookie of the year tickets. Yeah, I know ten to one. Never, <laughs> I mean, never, it wasn't the wrong move. Shouldn't have been. Never, never. Yeah, I know. God damn, it was the good bet. Make it again. Um, the, uh, but no, Belichick. Not be that the, the wider here's the weird thing, though. Stuff. Here's the weird thing because those of us in the content business or those of us in the prognostication business that have to take a position on or against the Patriots are kind of effed because you basically have to acknowledge the fact that through our entire lives of doing this, Belichick has been a fucking magician, and now. He could be still doing the magician stuff, but he could also be going a little crazy, a little senile, a little, little losing his fastball a little bit. And I don't know where the arc of maybe we're going to go into this season with Cam Newton as our starter falls on that spectrum. Do you know what I mean? Like a rational, sharp, clear thinking Belichick does not spend all that money in free agency and then leave the keys with Cam. He doesn't. It goes right to jones and is like look he'll learn along the way we'll figure it out our coaching staff is good enough to get him caught up and if he makes mistakes we'll you know we'll be there for him like that that's that was surprising that it took them the route that it took them to get there and maybe it was to make sure that he earned the job on his own or something like that i don't know but um that was a weird arc then the season itself where the defense was playing amazing. The skill position players all kind of at least showed up to the degree that, um, you know, they earned their paychecks and their schedule turned out to break incredibly favorably. Uh, they emerge from that week 13 game against the Bills as your presumptive one seat in the AFC, which was crazy at the time. And I don't really want to kind of zero in on that game with the three pass attempts or whatever it was. It didn't feel like the right decision to do that. That felt like the type of game, and this felt like the type of team where you let Mac Jones learn the hard way. You don't put him in bubble wrap and say, the win is more important in this moment than giving Mac Jones an opportunity to either succeed and grow with confidence and then have that confidence that he needed in the playoffs, or to fail and then learn valuable lessons from it 
right? That, like it's and that's where like I had the same thoughts standpoint. about that game. That's where I wondered if, like, how much longer is Belichick going to coach? Because yeah, for old sure. Old Belichick for just sure. throws him to the fire because it's like, for well, sure. we, need, we need this guy. Like, we yeah. can't just, we can't you not. You said it better you know, than I said. Yeah, I, I, I think that's where I questioned, like, how much how much longer is he going to want to coach? And maybe after a year of coaching with Al McDaniels, he just decides maybe it's even shorter of a period of time because that was, uh, that was the biggest thing that hit me was, and we've been over this before with some other teams, but they weren't teams who were in the playoffs. They were teams with a lot of turnover. And finally, after a decade, McDaniels does go somewhere else. And you, as is tradition in the NFL, you bring in some old rehashes. And in this case, bring in some rehashed old head coaches who were coaches on your staff, Patricia, for quite a while. So you have a defensive coordinator for five, six years before he went and took the Lions job. And you have a special teams coordinator before he went and honestly just failed miserably up in New York. And those are your... Apparently, it's a competition to be the offensive coordinator, which I know they don't do things the same as other teams up in New England, but why not just get a guy who knows the offense to do something? Why not promote someone who is under McDaniels from within? So I, I really... Great question. I really don't understand this move. And I mean, Belichick's for years, I haven't understood some of his moves and things have worked out, but it it feels like if you had Tom Brady at the helm still, if this is five years ago and McDaniels takes the Reich job instead, he does move on and you decide to just punt an offensive coordinator. Like, Hey, guess what? The guy who Brady is it. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. The guy who cleans up the stadium after the fans leave, he's the (laughs) offensive coordinator because it doesn't matter. We have a quarterback who knows almost everything he needs to know about the damn league. He's, you know, he's a prodigy. He gets it. He's been around for a decade. But you are at a spot that is vital in a young quarterback's progression to hopefully being your franchise guy, if that's what you're after. And you're you're doing this. Like we, we said this, like what made Lamar so good? It was Roman. It was probably part Harbaugh. It was just like putting him in the right position to succeed by having the right coaches at the right time. Mm-hmm. Like how that's how he won his MVP award. And McCorkle getting a defensive guy a defensive rocket scientist and a a failed special teams guy that's your offensive coordinator and again i i don't know it could work out but it just feels like it feels like the worst case for mac jones and i do have a bailey zappy rookie of the year ticket (laughs) (laughs) oh wow a lot Uh, okay so um I agree with everything you just said. Uh, and I can you explain like, it to me though? Like, what do you no. think? The what okay, I, I, I didn't think so. might not be all the way there. Like, it's the only thing I can assume. Like, that there's a like a weird pattern of stuff that suggests he may not be, you know, the same guy that was running circles around the rest of the NFL for two decades. So, like, he just might not be that guy anymore. And that's entirely possible. It's fine. Uh, no, doesn't change his legacy at all. He's still the greatest coach of all time by margin. Um, yeah. And but it was yeah, like last season, it didn't. If in the moment it felt fine to celebrate the Bills win, I mean the win over the Bills, right? 
Like, holy crap. What a masterclass from the genius, right? Like, he did it. He didn't even have to, you know, have his rookie out there making pass attempts in this crazy, crazy conditions. And then the next week, they are in the dome against the Colts, and the Colts just had no respect for Mac Jones at all. Mac Jones did not look comfortable, did not look like he was playing with confidence at all. And it was, you know, kind of like a, uh oh, should we be hedging our rookie of the year tickets? I don't feel great about this. Uh, I thought Mac Jones rebounded fairly well in week 16 against the Bills again, but it was one of those games where Allen was absolutely cooking with gas and they had kind of unlocked the good parts of the playbook for him because they were yeah. ramping up for the playoffs. Um, but then it's crazy. Like the week 17 result was the result that tipped it in balance for Chase. Mac Jones won that game 50 to 10. Didn't matter. 40 point win. Didn't matter. It was against the Jaguars. No one watched it. No yeah, one probably even no remembers cared. that game happened. Did not matter. Um, and you lose your finale to the Dolphins. And then that playoff game was really classic, classic rookie making his first playoff start on top of the fact that you ran into an absolute buzzsaw. And yeah, that was just it. That yeah, was never going to turn out well. And so, like, you. That was kind of the way that their postseason was going to break. You know, they, it wasn't going to be that lopsided depending on who they played, you know, but they just happened to be a bad matchup on, and the Bills happened to have their best game of the season. Um, but it still is like that's how your season was most likely going to end. So you might as well have just conceded that week 13 game and let Mac Jones try to play through the conditions and try to learn a little bit from that. And maybe he plays with a little more confidence down the stretch because of it. Or maybe he's a little bit more prepared to go at Buffalo at night in what is effectively a, a rerun of that primetime game in the Colt. So that felt like the decision that really derailed their season last year. And then the decision that I think is derailing their season this year does revolve around what is going on with the offensive coaching staff. I fully, fully, fully agree that they needed to have a better plan for the progression of Jones. And honestly, like they were not very active in what was a quarterback. <clears throat> this, the right way to frame this is pretty straightforward. I think they spent a lot of money in free agency last year, right? A lot. Like Guess they, what they, they have though. Guess what they have though. Two tight ends. They have the cheat code in today's NFL which is they have a capable quarterback on a rookie deal. Mm -hmm. And oh, by the way, Mac Jones's rookie deal is a really good rookie deal. It's not just a, you know, it's not a 1.01 rookie deal. Like he is very cost controlled for a long time if you want it to. And so it felt like an obvious thing in this last off season where a bunch of high profile wide receivers either demanded to be traded, were traded, or were available. And they didn't go and get any of them. No. Tyreek Hill didn't make a move. Devontae Adams didn't make a move. Debo Samuel didn't make a move. Like maybe there were discussions behind the scenes and they just decided that the asking price was too high. But like if you're Belichick and you believe in what you have as a rookie quarterback on, on a cost control contract, that's when you push your chips in the table. You don't have 10 more years doing this. You don't. No. And it was... I feel like either telling that Belichick is not fully committed to this rebuild or 
wasn't in his right mind or somehow some way there's just there's not they don't feel like mac jones is putting i mean do you ever feel like they just decided like we spent money on receiving last year with you know they went got i mean they got henry and janu and then was aguilar uh, offseason ad last year two years ago they last year the wide receivers they brought in were kendrick Bourne. Um, Jacoby Myers, I believe, was Jacoby a draft Myers. choice. There, yeah, the other one. But like, but this Devonte Parker—that's not the answer in terms. No, of no, no. I mean, Devonte Parker's not, fine, but it's not. You have no. a you have a lot of twos. Like again, you got a lot, lot of twos. twos yeah. You have a, you have a yeah. decent tight end. Room. And we just so happened to be in a cycle where there were a lot of ones available. Yeah, known quantity ones. And you elected not to go get any of them. And I'm not 100 percent sure why. Such as yeah, I I don't understand anything they're doing. And again, it, again, it all hinge, everything hinges like, you know, we just kind of shit on their receiving room. But Parker, Bourne, Jacoby Myers, Aguilar, That's and those two tight than, ends yeah, better than a lot of receiving rooms. Not only that, like the Patriots have done this shit for years, where it's like, oh, I mean, sure. a lot of these, a lot of these guys, it's like, oh man, Edelman's good or Welker's good. It's like, well, they weren't good before they came, and they certainly aren't good after, like. Uh, they just make they make mid tier wide receivers look great, and that's something that you know you've seen. Obviously, they've had some high end ones too. Randy Moss was amazing that one season, but they've been able to do this with kind of middle of the pack, you know, above average but not great wide receivers for so long. But now you don't have your offensive coordinator to do that, and it's it's a pain in the ass for any young quarterback to to switch coordinators early in their career. Yes. It's worse when that coordinator is a defensive coordinator. <laughs> Look, it's just I don't know what I don't know what's going on. Yeah, and may, maybe there's something again. If you guys have some info, if you Boston, you you assholes know something I don't, or if you read something about Joe Judge, but I mean, it sounded like Patricia was leading that. It was a competition that Patricia was leading, and again, he has been a head coach. He understands how to help put a game plan together. I'm just not so sure I want him you know, guiding a young quarterback in his really formative seasons here. So uh, I'm, I'm sketched out by this team. And again, switching to the other side of the ball, it's a team that shed a lot of what made this defense good for years. Like, a, and granted, I was like, so Hightower, High, Hightower Collins and Van Noy, where did you have them last year as far as, amongst your linebacker rankings without looking oh they're all generally. they're all i mean no they're all upper up you know upper end of the spectrum they're know, good that's, that's i wouldn't a, i wouldn't yeah, that's say half a standard there's a half a standard deviation over average all those guys nobody's yeah. nobody's moving the needle that much dante hightower actually is the ex, ex, he's the exception he's not yeah. moving the needle at all anymore he was a negative but, for me but as a group hightower collins van noy and JC yeah, Jackson. Benoit and JC Jackson were two very valuable players, I thought. That that has me worried about this defense as well. And you know, they they have other good players. Uh who is that? Judon's great. I'm trying to think. I'm looking right now at the oh probably bunch of Malcolm good Butler. They have a bunch of good players. Yeah. They have both they have McCordy. Malcolm Butler back is weird. Malcolm um, Butler Judon back is, is weird. Perfectly yeah. fine player. Kyle Duger looks like he's kind of another one of those classic day two picks by Belichick that's going to be a perennial, you know, all pro or knocking on the door. Lawrence Guy, great tackle. Christian Barmore, great tackle. Uh, Like, it's a very, very solid defensive depth chart. And if, 
you know, if uh, Belichick does his normal thing, coaching this defense up, they're going to be nasty to face every week, but like, not like really blow you out of the water with their playmaking or their sack totals or their interceptions, just generally pretty good. And um, yeah, the cornerback situation is, is questionable. There's some holes there surely. Um, but the front seven is absolutely stout. The offensive line, same story, absolutely stout. Uh, and yeah, if you bring, if you bring in someone who can operate the way McDaniels did and continue the progression of Mac Jones, then you should absolutely have the expectation that this is a playoff team. But in the absence yeah. of that, there are a lot of red flags. And I think, too, despite what I said about the defense, uh, you know, I think losing basically your linebacking core, I don't know how I feel about bringing Mac Wilson in from the Browns. That's not an ample replacement for what you're doing. But no, losing no. them and J.C. Jackson, I'm still not that worried about the defense. Like all the things we said about the offense was shit. Are these the guys that are the right people to, you know, coach up this offense, to coach up this young quarterback? It has not seemed to matter for many years. What you put out there is like uh, similar to what we said about Aberflus when he started in, you know, out there at the Colts. It's like shit. He just came and turned them around. Like those guys, he took who we had, and some of those guys were terrible the year before, and he coached them up. And the Patriots, they may not do that week one, may may not do that week four, but by like week ten, the defense is somehow just good again. Like it's never, it's never been like, oh, this defense is just, it's really stinking it up all year. So I, again, losing those pieces sucks, especially J.C. Jackson. But I, I feel like, despite all the bad things we said about Belichick and some of his managing the team styles, I still think him, especially with Patricia back can manage to get this defense into a spot where it needs to be. And like everything we said about the Jets, I might say the opposite. Like, this is, is this an unders team? Again, if, if, this, if this offense is the Matt Patricia offense and the Bill Belichick defense, is this uh, setting football back 50 years? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, if you were to say what do we have, what, what, what do I have high confidence in about this Patriots team? It is that the offensive line is going to be awesome. And it is that the defense is going to be better than average. And that even if the defense starts slow, that they'll find their footing by by October. Fine, fine assuming that because of the turnover. Um, I feel like, and again, like if they, if, you know, I'm being critical of what they didn't do in the offseason, which was go get a bona fide wide receiver one. Like if they had, I don't even really know how I would feel considering the, you know, the Matt Patricia, Joe Judge, offensive coordinator, you know, rodeo thing. Like I don't get it. I don't think it'll work. And rodeo. Mac Jones is in a fragile spot. And, um, you know, it's a, I don't, like, I don't know what it's going to take for me to ultimately come around on Mac Jones at the end of the day, if he has a 10, 15 year career and goes to the playoffs a dozen times and wins, you know, a bunch of playoff games, I'll eventually have to concede that like, okay, this guy's very good, but I'm not there now. 
And uh, I think the um, the way that they've gone about um, developing him is concerning. Yeah, and I think maybe because we haven't got to the Dolphins yet, I don't think this. I don't think the Dolphins are like some mystery. I just don't think the Dolphins have a middle ground. I think it either works or it doesn't this year with Tua. So maybe they aren't. I think this is the team. I probably have the biggest question marks. I know what the Bills are. I know what the Jets are. I know the two outcomes that can befall the Miami Dolphins. This team, I'm really not sure. And some of them, again, we're going to go over this every team with a young quarterback. So much of it is just based on we've got a young quarterback who needs to take a step forward and maybe hamstringing them with the coaching decisions we're making. So, and again, it's a team coming off a playoff berth. Okay. If you're same, so hang on a second. Same, same, same class with the last quarterback we talked about, Zach Wilson. You're 80 20 or thereabouts that he's not the answer. Where are you with Mac? I don't know if it matters where I'm at. What do you think the team will do? Like that's all. That's where my mind went. Like, what? Is, what would the team do? Because I can't, I can't ever figure out what this team is doing. What do you think the team would do in that situation? Because it doesn't matter where I'm at. I know where I'm at. Like, what, what would that? Well, where are? Yeah, well, I'm curious though. Where are you at then? I mean, I'm. I'd be. If we see, I can't. It's the same thing I said about. Wilson. It sounds like, like you're 50 50. Yeah, I think I'm 50 50. Like that's about where I'm at too. I'm, I'm fine with that. And again, it'll, it'll come down to the decision making, but it's going to be heavily tilted against him because it's like, man, is he doing this despite having Matt Patricia as an offensive coordinator or is like, or is, <laughs> yeah. you know, or was I wrong? And Matt Patricia actually knows quite a bit about football because he's been around it so long and he's a rocket scientist. Yeah. Uh, what I saw in Detroit <laughs> isn't going to be helping that that decision no, but, no 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 but yeah i'm i'm 50 50. okay i'm gonna say 41 51 49 and i think the <laughs> one the 51 is only because of the way they've gone about this i feel like if i had gotten a little bit more positive read on the way they handled their off season i would be more like 60 40 he would was gonna work but instead i'm like 51 he's not because of the what the patriots themselves are doing and it's either they're telling us without saying it or they're making it so by their decisions. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. So, because like ultimately, like if he succeeds, if it works and there's a reasonable, you know, again, there's reasonable space that it will. Belichick will get all the credit. You know, he's genius, blah, blah, blah. Like that's the way it always goes. And then if it doesn't work, like... You will look back on these decisions and we'll look back on that game where he had three pass attempts and we'll be like, yeah, Belichick knew. He knew he didn't have a guy. You know? That's the way this goes. But in the reality, the 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 most likely reality, I think, is that it's just been a while since Belichick was really cooking on the offensive side of things. McDaniels was probably doing the lion's share of the work. And with him out of the building now and a whole mess of assistance that I do not like. 
this is a recipe for a problem. Let's look at yeah, their schedule. Um, <laughs> I think I'm more confused about the Patriots before than before we started the podcast. <laughs> well, it's easy to see why, man. Like, why well, we didn't really talk today. I mean, we we chatted a little, but I didn't want to spoil it and like ask you, hey, what are you, what's your opinion on this coaching thing? I was kind of hoping you'd just have some answer. Like, oh, I read this article that you didn't see, and I have some answers. It's it's good to know we're both in the fucking dark on this. No, it's literally like you just heard that you know, like your grandfather was like driving around in a weird part of town, and you're like, like, is he okay? <laughs> like what's going on what uh why was he down there what was he doing over there and he doesn't know he can't explain it uh there's whiffs of that <sighs> yeah bailey zap what was this price for rookie of the year like 150 to one or something i feel like you could have gotten a bigger number i i, I feel like I, well and here's the thing too uh, they were only taking 10 bucks on it because <laughs> I was gonna shop it around, it was the only place to add it up. I'm like, fuck it, you have my ten dollars. <laughs> so yeah, once you know you you know how you have like too many futures pending, and then like something comes and goes, like the NBA playoffs or a draft, yes, and then surely. it clears out, and you're left with like one or two that are sitting in there forever. Like in my my bookie account, I have a <laughs> who will be the next James Bond from like 2018. <laughs> my God, really, dude, Tommy Shelby. I don't know his real name. That's his who? Name. It's the guy, Peaky Blinders. Oh. oh wow. Oh God, what is his name? Someone will someone will say it, but that, the guy yeah, who is Scarecrow in the Batman a million years. Yes, ago? yes, yes. Okay. Why well, can't I, I don't know his, what name. his name? Is. Either way, I need him to be the next James Bond to catch that one. But. Um, one of my books cleared out and it just had two and it was Bailey Zappi to win offensive rookie of the year and Devin Leary to win Heisman at just stupid high numbers. Cillian Murphy. Jeez. Thank you, Dan. That's, that's I don't think Dan, he's gonna I, be the next waiting. James Bond, but that's just my I guess. mean he's still he's still in the mix. He'd be great at it. But either way, yeah, let's look at the schedule. Let's look at close schedule. up close up the, the Patriots pod with some schedule and Dodds talk. It's not uh, horrible. I mean, playing no, Buffalo isn't not, great, but it's not horrible. It's, it's but you tougher know, tougher than last year. It's tougher that you took the words right out of my mouth. It's not bad, but it's not last year's schedule. Mm -mm. Um, dogs on the road, week one. How you feel about that? I mean, again, my Miami number is definitely just barely put on with a, a light touch. That one can move very quickly. It's going to be pretty hot but, down there. But I have, like you said, I have New England at a zero. I don't know where you're at. I have them as absolute league average. I'm and a, Miami I'm is not point far five. off. But I have Miami as a point five. So I have Miami the, as point five. <laughs> yes, I mean, this is this is a fair price. And again, it, okay. it presupposes a lot of things about both quarterbacks. But yes, they don't ever play well down there. Playing Miami early part of the season is never good early September. No. It's still going to be plenty warm and swamp ass will be all around full of, uh, full of sweaty old men playing on defense yes. against uh, what could be a fun offense. Like I'm excited to talk about Miami on Wednesday. There's a lot of fun. What ifs with Miami, if things work out, but yeah, that's a fair price. It's a weird schedule. I agree. It is a weird schedule Four, three out of four road games out of the gate, Miami, Pittsburgh, Green Bay. 
that takes a little bit of you know that that takes a little bit of your win probability uh, out of that early part of the season. Um, your one home game is hosting Baltimore. That's no treat. Um, your home game is a pick'em in your first four. Like, not to say that this is likely, but like that kind of reads like one in three. And if you look at traditional Belichick's years, one in three doesn't scare you at all. I think there were one in three last year, and then went on to go to the playoffs and in month of December were considered the likely one seed. Um, so it's far, far, far from uh, meaningful that they could be one and three, but that's not feeling great. If you're not, if, if, you know, if the offense doesn't look good, if it's because Mac Jones isn't playing well and you happen to have had a tough stretch, that's not great. Um, Detroit, Cleveland, Chicago jets is a phenomenal next four, particularly if at Cleveland is at Jacoby Brissett. Um, a lot of rest disadvantage up and down the schedule. Um, a lot of speculation in my mind about what is happening week 14 and 15. They have the most disadvantage to game stretch in all of the NFL for any teams. They're the max yellow, max orange. I mean, it is because they are going at Arizona and then at Las Vegas in back-to-back weeks. Uh, non-zero chance Belichick requested this. Yeah, it, we've said this. Like It happened somewhere. before. Yeah, they, I don't know where they would stay necessarily, but let's just assume that they stay in Arizona um, and spend a week of concentrated practice. They might be a great bet on week 15 at Vegas. That might be a great one. Um, but they got to play a bunch of prime time in a row look at that four games in a row where they're playing 8 p.m how wild is that um living in promised i promised not to talk a lot about the derby but i think schwarber tanked to get into a swing off with pools pools at 13 uh is schwarber uh, really going down I I don't know. I have an exacta with that, but I also have I have an under on Pujols' longest homer, and it's it's cashing right now. I would like him to not swing anymore. Not that I think he can hit one three sixty, but yeah, Schwarber looked kind of bad. So mm, interesting. Uh, back to the Patriots schedule. You know, yeah, um, yeah. Some nasty stuff late. Presumably, they'd be a bet on team later in the season as uh, you know they come together, but. Um, those are tough spots. I'll, I'll ask you the question you asked me on, uh, mm. you know, Zach Wilson. What do you need to see? Because again, I, I, are you in agreement with me that the, you just think the defense kind of sorts itself out? And it might not be a yeah. top ten defense, but yeah. it isn't going to be bottom twenty or you know bottom fifteen. It, it yes, it feels like the the modal position is right around twelfth, like somewhere in that twelve to fifteen range. Like it's going to be yep. a good defense, maybe not great. Yep. With a, you know, a chance that it can sneak into the top 10. What do you need to see from this offense to say, I will bet this uh, this team to win games, to cover games late in the season against a, maybe a little bit of a softer schedule? Weeks two, three, and four are going to tell me everything I want to know about the Patriots this season. Those are three aggressive slash talented defenses. Bang, bang, bang in a row. And if the Belichick game plan 
in those games or whoever is ultimately calling the game plan is doing early down running is leaning on the rushing attack is not being aggressive like if if they are waiting until they are down a touchdown before they are really doing some early down passing some play action and really letting mac jones operate more uh, of the offense then i am hitting the emergency button on the patriots doing anything this year if they are aggressive in those games and they let Mac Jones kind of learn the hard way, and even if he's making mistakes and doesn't look good, I will still be more inclined to bet the Patriots at the end of the season if we see them give Mac the keys. Give I, was hoping Mac you'd, the keys. I was hoping you'd reference back to that, uh, kind of come full circle in this team. is yeah, If we see what we thought we should have seen against the Bills, I mean, it goes back to everything we say about coaches and front offices. Like, man, I just wish sometimes you'd see these teams do what's right for the team, for the for the important position players of the team, for the long term of the franchise. And you don't see it a lot, but you expect it out of the Patriots. You expect the right thing. Dude, That's why it was disappointing. It. And I think we also bet the Bills that game. So it was disappointing to see that game come out as uh, in general. But um Preseason, I just looking at the odds. Anything, anything that sticks out at you that you would bet on the New England football Patriots right now because Man. oh um I don't think they have the horsepower to go toe-to-toe with the Bills in the AFC East. So that is an easy pass, even at plus four fifty. I don't think that even if you give Mac Jones the keys early in the season and he tries and fails and then ultimately learns and comes out a better player, I don't know that he is winning his first, second, third, and fourth playoff games this year. There is a very real world where the Patriots get in as a wild card and upset a team on the road in the playoffs because of a great Belichick game plan for a one-game sample or if he's going up against an inexperienced quarterback on the other side of the ball and has had already his one, uh, his one, you know, my, you know, is his debut flop is already behind him. Sure. Uh, I could see him getting to the playoffs and I could see them winning a game, but it's contingent entirely upon what we were saying where early in the season, they give him the keys um, plus one sixty to make the playoffs is tempting, but not good enough for me. Because as I was, as we have covered it in ad nauseum now, I'm at like high alert based on the way that hand, Patriots are handling this. What about you? Yeah, high alert. Like it's funny again. Is there a middle ground on this? Like it's either they're giving him the keys and we're we're buying into at least they're doing the right thing, and I think I could back this team because I mean I'm not a psychologist nor a psychiatrist. In fact, I don't hold any advanced degrees in those fields, but like it does something for a quarterback's confidence. Like, how did how do you think Mac felt after that game? Like, couldn't oh, have been good. Won. That's the whole point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, we won. Have been yeah good. like you know, not only like the the psyche of the quarterback, but the psyche of the rest of the team. Like, all right, hey, we trust this quarterback. Like that changes things. I think in the locker room. I don't know how the how do you celebrate that win? Like after the game, like fuck, what? what oh, we're gonna win the Super Bowl because we beat the Bills. Like, you think we can just do this every week? This is you know, this is goofy horse shit that 
you know, this works in Disney movies. Like, oh, you, you know, they were going to pull out the knuckle puck and it's just, it's not going to work against the Iceland team. So I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I got way, way off, way off sports there. But um, regardless, yes, if they give him the keys, I think the, the overall, I don't know, the it helps the morale. It helps the locker room. It helps his confidence and it helps my confidence to back him. And if they don't, I will be, probably looking to bet against them in spots where I know like this shit isn't going to work against this team. Good luck with this. Yeah. Or at least at this part of the season. I think that the middle ground is not really there for them. I think that's what you're saying. And I think that's right. This is either they develop them. They treat him like they, because like you can treat him like a quarterback that made it, that took a team to the playoffs last year. And flirted with the division title. You could treat him that way and force him to continue to grow. Or you can treat him like you treated him last year as a rookie. And no trust, no learning, no nothing. And in that world, this team's winning like six games. In the world where they push him a little bit and he grows into the role, I think we're talking about a round one playoff appearance, potentially a round one playoff win. And then that's the end of the road. I definitely do not see a team that even at their ceiling has enough horsepower, firepower on either side of the ball to go toe-to-toe with the likes of the Bills, the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Ravens, the uh, you know, the the cream of the Chargers. How do I forget the Chargers? Um, but if it's New England at LAC week one, I mean, you know, round one of the playoffs, like you're gonna look long and hard at Mac Jones catching six points there. Aren't you? Yeah, and again, depending where I'm at on him and the team at the end of the year, but I, I don't know. We saw it at times too. It's not like they fully. We should stop saying give him the keys. I feel like we've exhausted that. That's it, uh, though. That's it, though. I know, but I, we saw it. We saw it enough times where I was fine with it. Do you know, Pujols moved on. Yeah, I saw the celebratory tweets. <laughs> what the flying fuck is going Siege on? Siege and BP just belly aching for an hour about getting him in the draft. And he moves on to the round two. Hopefully by the time you've listened to this, uh, uh, they showed a, a graphic of one of the one of the last times Pujols was in a home run derby. Matt Holiday was in with him. That's the <laughs> guy whose kid got drafted this year. Like, that's hilarious. So. I mean, I respect Pujols for trotting it out at age 50 and giving it the college try. Yeah, he is definitely not what his birth certificate, quote unquote. I, 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 I Dan, I'm with Dan was in our ear there saying Schwarber threw it's it. Bad karma. I don't disagree that that was probably a thing that happened. I didn't watch a second of it. I'm too busy, uh, you know, busting McCorkle's balls. So, plan of betting attack. We kind of touched on it. If we see what we hope to see, where they let Mac Jones take a step forward. They take the training wheels off. We're going to, let's use every other <laughs> They take the training wheels off. They, they put him in charge. You let's know? say they, let's say they give him the green light. They give him the green light. Are they all about <laughs> driving? <laughs> I don't know. They're all vehicle related. I know? just want Mac to get the green light, man. You know, if they, if they put Mac in the driver's seat, Oh god, you know. dude! And, and I mean, there's him... a reasonable there's a reasonable chance that they're treating this like they treated Tommy's, you know, uh, uh, progression where he was game manager until he won his third fucking Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, 
Like there's that's not out of the range of possibility that they're going to go with the uh, kind of experience bias, you know. Worked for us before. I did. I did We're just going to game manager him the whole time. Yeah, go ahead. I did bet. I said I'm going to bet Pujols to win the first round because that's just a ridiculously high number, and then I didn't. Oh no! Instead, bet no, under. Inst no, instead I bet a an exacta for all four of the right. Like I said, Alonzo, Soto, Rodriguez, Pujols at twelve to one. Well, oh, good job by you. So, like, yeah, all that money I lost on soccer made it back in one fell swoop, thanks to my thousand year old. Is he Dominican? Pujols? I would have to. Uh, sure. Have to fact check that. So, all right, plan of betting it. Plan, thanks, Dan. Again, plan of betting attack is wait and see, and yeah. maybe we're up, or maybe we're a buyer on this team, despite. Yeah. Uh, although, I did want to touch on one last thing, maybe a quick piece of trivia to close the podcast. Go for it. Because so I'm much excited. I saw about the Jets was Love doom trivia. and gloom. The doom and gloom of the Jets is is maybe overstated. So I want you to name. The last time each of the four teams in the AFC East went to the AFC title game. Just start at the top. The oh, Bills. my goodness. Um, the Bills has to be the Jim Kelly era. Uh, well, it was I'm going to say. More recent than that. Really? Yeah. The AFC title game? Oh, yeah, they lost to the Chiefs. Yeah, they lost to the Chiefs two years ago. I forgot about that. <laughs> I was going to yeah. say, a couple yeah, years ago, they lost to the Chiefs. The Chiefs. They yeah. did lose um, to the Chiefs two years ago. And then the Patriots, the we'll go with the Patriots. I mean, it's been a bunch Patriots of Patriots but... was the uh, the year that they won and then beat the Rams. They beat the Chiefs. Yeah. Yep. So both of the last, uh, they're both at KC, both those games. Jets? Yep. The Jets was the Sanchez losing to the Steelers, I believe. Yeah. 2010 at Hines, now Accusher. Yep. Yep. And they went to two straight. Now do the Dolphins. Ooh, man. Is it the uh, 1984? You, you said it. You, you, you were right the first time. Oh, it was the Jim Kelly season. era against the Bills. Yeah, surely. It was uh, Dan Reno's last ride, last hurrah. It was, yeah, in Joe, Joe Robbie in like 1992 where oh the Bills God. would go into the Super Bowl and lose again. But yeah, the, wow. the Jets catch a lot of flack. But man, the Dolphins, it's been a very long time. Since they've had a, you know, it's not like the Jets were, the Jets were good those years. They made it to the FC title game two years in a row. You can't shake a stick of that. So, no, yeah. Little, when little was the last time the Dolphins? When was the last time the Dolphins even won a playoff game? Had to be like what ninety nine, maybe. Did Jay Fiedler win any games? When's the last time the Dolphins were in the playoffs? Uh, I'm going to pull this up. Was it 08? Was it the year that uh, the Wildcat year? 2016. Oh, I, I don't. I really this. can't remember. I don't remember about this at all. Game. They were they were the final. They were the sixth seed. They actually they got the shit kicked out of them by Pittsburgh. Don't remember that. Oh no, I do remember that game. That was a that was one where Pittsburgh was laying like eight or nine, yeah. and they were uh, no doubt no doubt cover. 2018, 2008, before that, they got the shit. That was Tannehill's only ever success as a Dolphin, right? He took yeah, that Baltimore. team to the and got his teeth kicked in. 2001, they made it to the first round, got the shit kicked out of them. They won a playoff game at Pro Player Stadium in the year 2000 over the Indianapolis Colts as a three seed. And then they got stomped by Oakland 
and Oakland got stomped by Baltimore, and Baltimore stomped the Giants. Was that a uh, was that uh, Peyton Manning's first ever playoff loss? First of many, probably, probably something in there. I bet you it was. Good trivia. Good Let's trivia. talk about the Dolphins right. on Wednesday. Let's yeah, we'll be back on Wednesday. Dolphins and. We will just absolutely take the Bills nuts and cradle them in our hands and just like we're, <laughs> we're going to so be so pro Bills, aren't we? Well, I want you, I mean, this, is, this is your homework assignment, Drew. Drew Denzik. Yeah. I want you to come yeah. up with five negatives about the Bills. We'll both we'll both come up with five because otherwise it's going to be a, a total suck fest. Like oh, I guess I'll get five. I can get five. I think I think that's it's easy, but that that's what I'm naming yeah. naming the hunt down because I have nothing but positive yeah. things to say. I'm going to can't win a coin play. toss. <laughs> Devils uh, avocado. They have no answer for Travis Kelsey. That's a problem. Um. All right, I'll get five. We'll come up with five. So, all right, this is a good Cole, one. Cole Measley's gone, so it can't be on the list. Yeah, that doesn't hurt. That's wild. Jay Fiedler beat Peyton Manning. He came back from down 14 at halftime to beat Peyton Manning in that uh, Colts Dolphins game in 2000 at Pro Bowl. I was right then. I said Jay Fiedler. That's hilarious. Uh, 20 years ago, man. Dave Wanstat got the head to head win versus Jim Mora. Playoffs. Dave Wanstat. Jesus. All right. We'll be back Wednesday. Play us out, Dan. Colts were one and a half point favorites. The game went under the total, closing total of 42. I didn't click on anything. This is the final. Just I assumed it was. Oh, shit. Dolphins won an OT. That was the sixth. Really? Yeah.